Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. This week's Highways Voices is all about the state of our roads. The shortfall and the backlog continue to rise, and hard-working local authority engineers having to make difficult choices. With the latest Asphalt Industry Alliance alarm survey reporting that the backlog to fix local roads is now worth £12.64 billion, we'll talk about why and what might be done about it. Are the alarm bells ringing? Find out on this week's Highways Voices. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations Elkrig, Adept, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. So welcome from me, Paul Hutton, to our latest podcast featuring Adrian Tatum chatting with AIA Chair Rick Green today. And he'll also bring you his accolade of the week while we have news from our partners as well. We'll talk about the alarm survey in depth in a moment but first here's Adrian with some of the other top stories that have caught his eye on highwaysnews.com. In the additional 2.5 million of government funding for active travel that has been announced by Trudy Harrison, active travel minister at the Department of Transport this week, speaking at a Living Streets National Walking Summit, she announced that further funding would allow for the continuation of active travel behaviour change outreach programmes throughout the UK. Elsewhere, a £32 million programme of investment in highways and transport has been agreed by West Sussex County Council, including what it calls an unprecedented level of investment in road and footway repairs. It has also agreed a further £21 million of capital funding over the next five years for priority areas such as carriageway improvements and repairs, footway pavement improvements, road safety improvements and schemes to tackle flood challenges. And finally, more could be done to include shared transport in local authority transport strategy. That's according to the Collaborative Mobility UK charity. The organisation has said councils should provide people with mobility credits for swapping their own car for alternative methods of travel like car clubs or bike hire schemes. The charity said shared transport remains frequently underrepresented in Scottish local authorities' transport strategies and delivery plans. It said the research shows car club vehicles emit 37 less CO2 than the average UK car, while bike hire schemes help people reach the recommended 2.5 hours or more of physical activity per week. It said the bike sharing car clubs and mobility hubs should be included in new housing developments and council infrastructure. On top of those, there are figures from Lancashire Police proving average speed cameras improve driver behaviour. A driverless shuttle begins work at Birmingham Airport as a new survey suggests people don't yet trust the technology. And we've also got the tale of a man who was using his phone whilst driving without wearing a seatbelt. And when he saw he was being filmed, how can I put it, he gestured to the people in the lorry beside him, only to find out they were undercover police. You can read about those and so many more stories on our website, highways-news.com. If you haven't already, make sure you scroll to the bottom of the homepage to sign up to our daily email straight into your inbox every lunchtime. And on our site, you can also find links to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. When it comes to highways and transport technology news, we really are, and you can probably say it with me, the only place you need to go for everything you need to know. Swaco improves quality of life by making the travel experience safer, quicker, more convenient and environmentally sound. From software as a service traffic management solutions to parking, VMS, EV charging and road marking too, find out how Swaco can deliver more efficient and safer traffic management. Swaco, the better way every day. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. 
So the latest Asphalt Industry Alliance alarm survey has been published detailing how the cost of the backlog of carriageway repairs to fix local roads in England and Wales has reached £12.64 billion, compounded by increased costs caused by rising inflation. This is up from £10.24 billion last year, and despite an increase in average highway maintenance budgets of 4%, the proportion being invested in the carriageway itself is down, and the reported backlog of carriageway repairs has increased by almost a quarter on last year's figure to £61,700 for every mile of local road in England and Wales. Adrian spoke to AIA Chair Rick Green to find out more about it, who started by sharing what he thinks is the key takeaway from the study. I think the main message and continuing message really is that the local authority highway network is continuing to be underfunded. The backlog, which is money that's required to bring the network up to a state where local authorities could maintain it efficiently and proactively going forward. The amount of money to to get it back up to that condition has gone up by 23%, nearly a quarter, 23%, now stands at £12.5 billion. So I think the key message is the shortfall and the backlog continue to rise and hardworking local authority engineers are having to make difficult choices. They've got a statutory obligation to keep local roads safe, but they haven't got enough money to do it with. So pretty pretty much every time over the last decade, you've called for more longer-term funding for local roads. And that has been answered finally to some extent with a three-year funding mechanism. Although, of course, it's important to remember that that for many is is a cut uh, over three years compared to the previous ones. But what, what do you believe it will take to get a shift in government thinking to keep settlements like this permanent as opposed to just giving money you know indifferently for, for potholes um, for example it's difficult to say Adrian I mean you know we continue to campaign and I'm sure the local authorities press their case as well and I'm sure the people in the DFT actually press the case but ultimately you know there are competing pressures on the public person you know we've been through COVID and, and, and now there's the you know other issues in the world it's difficult to get local authority highway funding to the top of the agenda. But we continue to try and continue to press our case and point out that local roads are so important. Every journey starts or ends on a local road and they're falling to bits. Do you think there needs to be a kind of new thinking behind the way the industry presents this to government? I mean, some years ago, obviously, we saw a five-year settlement for national highways. As we said, things are, things are starting to to turn perhaps for, for local roads. And I, and I know that the Highway Sector Council has a, has a plan to maybe get a five-year settlement to match that of national highways. But do you think it's up to the industry to change the way it presents that message to government as well? Maybe. You might be right. I mean, you know, we are looking over the next period to try to assess the economic impact on society at large of having an underfunded network. And maybe that will persuade them. But um, it's difficult. You know, it really is difficult. The strategic network is probably in as good a place as it's ever been, really, over the last few years in terms of funding. But, you know, local authority roads, which, you know, make up 97% of the whole network, remain the poor relations. There are positives to come from 
from the report? Slight improvements in surface conditions. What, what do you put that down to? Yeah, the, the, there have been slight improvements to surface conditions, you're right. Those that are classed as good have gone up, but also those that are classed as red have also gone up. The whole pandemic's been a bit of a mixed bag. The lack of traffic at certain periods has helped with to get out and do some of the work. But realistically, I think it's 2% improvement on surface conditions. It's not a game changer, really. And I, just, I just want to get a sense of what recommendations you're making, you know, from this particular survey this year as, as, as a result of, of what you've found. I mean, we mentioned some of them, but what else are you calling for? Well, this might sound like more of the same, Adrian. I, I can see where your line of questions going. But actually, previously, we've been saying that local authorities need an additional £1.5 million per year over the next decade. We've now recalculated that, bearing in mind the shortfall that they've experienced for the last period and the ongoing decline in the network. We now think it needs £2 billion per year over the over the next decade to bring it back up to something like what we would expect to be reasonable. I mean, we have made suggestions in previous reports about where that might come from in terms of vehicle excise duty, et cetera, et cetera. And there are other innovative materials. You know, there's a section in the report this year about innovation. And, and also, the, you know, the pressure is coming on as well from the sort of climate and environmental point of view, where a lot of these local authorities, they're kind of restricted in the materials they can specify because of a lack of funding. They're just dashing out their fixing potholes rather than being able to have a properly planned preventative maintenance regime. As we've mentioned, this year's survey shows the backlog cost has increased again. We know that that capital highway budget has been frozen until 24-25 as a result of the three-year term. I think that mm-hmm. represents a real terms reduction of between 18 and 25%. I think we worked out on Highways News last year when that came out. How are you going to ensure that the AIA promote an efficient and sustainable asset management approach as much as you can? I know obviously... Obviously, the funding is, is, is an issue, but to ensure that the problem is not compounded by local authorities just replacing asphalt rather than making use of preventative treatments, for example. So, so that will obviously ensure that the surface lasts longer. And then hopefully in, in three or four years time, we, we, we'll get a pleasant surprise of <laughs> some extra funding to do some of the other work as well. But what, what, what do you think about that? I think the asphalt companies are regularly bringing new products to market that are, you know, more sustainable. We're looking at, you know, a lot of warm mix asphalt these days. We're looking at more durable additives, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, there are things through innovation that can improve the longevity of the highway fabric. But I think we're fighting a losing battle if we've not got enough money to do it. You know, there's only so much that we can bring forward through innovation. And I know this sounds a bit like a broken record, agent, but they've just not got enough money to do it. I'd hate to be a local authority engineer at the minute. They know that they need to do this proper preventative maintenance with modern innovative materials but they just haven't got the funding to carry out the plans that they'd like to. You're listening to Highways Voices this week, discussing the alarm survey with Rick Green of the Asphalt Industry Alliance. You can read much more about the survey on our website, and we'll hear more from Rick in a moment after Lucy has the latest news from our four podcast partners. Highways Voices, with the latest news and events from our partner organisations, ITS UK, Elkrig, Adept, 
and the Transport Technology Forum. Congratulations to Leora Wilson of Mott MacDonald, who studies at Leeds College of Building as part of her apprenticeship, who has won the ITS UK Essay Award for her entry around the use of ITS to improve the environmental impact of transport. Entrants were asked to write an essay around the innovative application of ITS solutions to achieve decarbonisation goals. Leora's essay, Changing Perceptions and Going Green with Intelligent Transport System Solutions, was rated top by the judges who noticed how her submission was well-referenced and contained a range of ideas. In the essay, Leora wrote about changing behaviour by gaining public support, using technology such as real-time information and smart ticketing to make public transport more attractive to use, and the importance of ITS in the implementation of low-emission and clean air zones. She also analysed electric vehicles, micro-mobility and incentivisation. You can read her entry on the ITS UK website. Adept's Transport and Connectivity Board has announced its new chair. Anne Carruthers, who is Leicestershire County Council's Director of Environment and Transport, takes over from Mark Kemp and is the first woman to take on the role. Adept has also published its response to the Public Transport in Towns and Cities call for evidence. With hybrid working here to stay, the association wants to see close monitoring of post-pandemic travel patterns to secure the future of public transport. Demand-responsive transport rather than fixed services could transform transport in rural areas, while total transport and mobility as a service can be cost-effective and encourage smarter journey planning. ADEPT is calling for a long-term strategic recovery plan for public transport. On the Elkrig website, you can read about how Elkrig have welcomed colleagues from the Department for Transport to listen about future plans. Over the course of two days, they discussed how Elkrig would realise its plans in support of the DFT's strategic objectives, which confirmed a strong alignment between the two organisations. In addition, they visited Blackburn with Darwin Borough Council, where Dwayne Lowe and his team shared their approach to dealing with asset management, exploring how their asset data capture compared with the more traditional scanner results. They also paid a visit to Blackpool Council to hear about a vibrant master plan for the town. Finally, if you missed Monday's launch of the Manual for Smart Streets, run by the Connected Places Catapult and our partners, the Transport Technology Forum, you can watch a recording very soon on the TTF website, including a section moderated by our own podcast presenter, Paul. There are also details on the site about fully funded places being available for the TTF conference taking place in Liverpool in May. Local authority representatives are eligible to join the event free of charge, including accommodation in the city. Details are on the TTF website. And of course, there's a link to it and all this content in the blurb. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. This is Highways Voices from Highways News and now back to Rick Green, chair of the Ashfield Industry Alliance, talking about the alarm survey. And let's pick up with Adrian considering why wider issues around how we build and maintain our roads. I'm interested to, to understand what you think about whether the time has come to review the type of asphalt and other materials that we use on our, our road as, as we can consider things like heavier vehicles, you know, electric cars are obviously heavier, driverless cars when they come on stream will, will be heavier and obviously that's compounded by more frequent journeys as well as the effects of extreme weather and, and what that means to the state of the road network. Do, do, you, do you think that's fair? We've had the debate about, for example, electric cars. Uh, and you're right, they are heavier. But in reality, cars relative to heavy goods vehicles are almost not worth counting in terms of the standard axle loads on highways. I don't think there's going to be a significant impact in terms of the wear from electric vehicles. It's all about heavy goods vehicles. The amount of heavy goods vehicles on the road appear to be continuing to increase. I don't really see the whole concept about driverless cars. Can you imagine what face you'd have in a driverless car if there's big potholes in the road and there's no white lines at the edges? I think we're a long way off having driverless cars on local roads. Yeah, you can see it on the strategic network where they're well maintained, but I think we're a long way off having driverless cars on 
on the local authority network because it's in such a poor condition. I think I'm trying to get a sense of, of, of how also we, we give local authorities a fighting chance, really, with, with, with what they've got. So, you know, we've got the backlog as it is. It isn't going to get any better in, in the short term um, because of funding. So surely we should be present, presenting a case to local authorities that give them the tools to enable them to look after and protect and preserve those roads for as long as possible before, you know, the roads in good condition become in the state that we've just been describing. When we do this survey, what you probably see is the quantitative, the numbers and the stats. We, we also do focus groups with the local authorities. And, you know, in those focus groups, we're hearing things like we're just managing the decline as best we can. And that's what they're doing. You know, without the funding, they can't do anything other than try to stave off the complete decline as, as long as they can. It's really difficult, and, I, and we would love to come up with some silver bullet that would thwart the lack of funding, but realistically, it just isn't there. Yes, we can make improvements through innovative materials. Yes, we can make some improvements. Now, they all are on efficiency drives. All the local authorities are, you know, the, the whole uh, incentive fund and so on and so forth. The local authorities are being as efficient as they possibly can, using the best of materials they possibly can. But regardless of that, the state of the network continues to decline because they just haven't got enough money to keep it up to specification. This is the 27th alarm survey, I think I'm it is. quite in, in saying. So that's been fantastic effort by all over, over those years, and, and that should be very much applauded. What, what do you think have been the most significant findings during that time from, from you know, the first time? I, I appreciate you. You may not have been involved right at the beginning, but you know, from the first time to to up until now, you know, what what, what do you think has been the, the most significant findings? Probably, and, and and you're right. I've only been involved. Oh, well, 2017. I've I've been involved for five years. We we did a thing because it was the 25th anniversary edition, if you like, a couple of years ago. And what was surprising was that we're still talking about the same things. We're still talking about lack of funding. We're still talking about local authorities not having enough money. We've been through, and Samantha counted them up, and I can't remember, but it's something like, I don't know, nine prime ministers and 30 secretaries of state for transport, different governments, you know, of, of, of both persuasions. And we're still really talking about the same things. And, and, and that's kind of depressing, really, Adrian, that over the years, this has been a perennial problem that nobody seems to want to address. And I, and I guess it's not sexy, is it? You know, it's very difficult to underfund the NHS because it's all over the press. It, you know, you, you close schools and you close libraries and things like that. It's all over the press. The local authority network, which is indeed the largest asset, who knows, other than the likes of me and you and, and people involved in the sector, if we don't, you know, and we'll get away without resurfacing that road for another year or two, it, it doesn't make headlines. And I suppose what we're trying to do is shine a light on it as best we possibly can. Rick Green of the Asheville Industry Alliance with some stark messages there from this year's alarm survey. We'll talk more about road building and maintenance in a couple of weeks here on Highways Voices. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. And we can't get rid of Adrian today because he's back in the spotlight now to tell us who he's spotted doing great things in our industry as 
it's time for Adrian's Accolade. Adrian, who's your winner this week? Accolade this week goes to the regional transport body, the Strathclyde Public Transport. It has invested more than six million in North Lanarkshire over the past five years, according to a new report. 2.2 million of capital funding was awarded to support a range of sustainable projects as part of this between 2017 and 2021. More than 1.6 million of additional money was also awarded to the council to support their delivery of sustainable transport projects. A number of projects across the area benefited as a result of the funding, but at the time when public transport uses declined because of the pandemic and funding for public transport is unsettled, SBT should be applauded for what they have done in the area over the past few years, and that's why they are worthy winners of my accolade this week. So that's Adrian's accolade. Winner this week on Highways Voices, and that's it for today's programme. I'm on my travels next week in Amsterdam, bringing you a flavour of what's going on as the world's highways and transport industries meet up again two years after the huge inter-traffic event was cancelled for one of the must-see highlights of the year. That means Highways Voices will be a day later next week. Find us on Thursday morning via your favourite podcast platform or on highways-news.com We'll talk then. Highways Voices Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 